Hello, I'm Stephanie Belcher. And I'm Del Belcher, and welcome to Learn, Learn to, to Like, like each, each Other. How are you today, Delbert? Stephanie, I got a lot on my mind, and it has to do with pants. Pants? Pants. The, the, the uh, chinos, khakis, dress, baseball, and otherwise. Pants. Is it bad that I'm already bored by this topic? Stephanie. <sighs> yes, it's terribly <laughs> bad because you know what we're going to be talking Could about. Can we talk about shoes? We can talk about shoes. Shoes are exciting. Purses, clothing in general, household items, artwork. I'm talking about thrift store shopping. That always reminds me of that thrift store song by... You know, the thrift store song. By the you can picture thrift... him in the shopping cart with a fur coat on. the thrift on. store guy. Yeah. Macklemore. Thrift shop. Um, I feel that my love of thrift store shopping has been rekindled. Back in my high school days, I was like a strictly only thrift store clothes kind of guy. I was very snobby about it. Then I just stopped. And we've been going more recently and I love it. I feel that thrift store shopping has hit its peak back when Macklemore did the thrift shopping. The key shop. to good thrift store shopping, do yourself a favor, Google the county in your state, mm-hmm. the counties with the highest income level, mm-hmm. and then you go where the rich people and you like raid, take their- You raid their stuff. You go where the rich people return their online shopping stuff, mm-hmm. the tags are still on it, and even- it's just amazing. You know what? If you're going for that new vibe, maybe you're going for a retro vibe, thrift store shopping. Let me tell you. What's your what's your biggest thrift store find that you think that you found that is the best thing? Me? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Can I tell you mine while you think? I know mine. Oh, go. I was in high school. It's a shirt I still have. It's my favorite thrift store find. It's a skiing skirt shirt that's like Indian head and it's maroon. The fabric is just beautiful. It's this like cotton blend. It's so worn. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know that shirt? Mm-hmm. I've had that shirt for it's gorgeous. 17 years. It's gorgeous. Anyway. It's gorgeous. I, my, yes, what's yours? My favorite shirt is, I don't know where it went. I think it's gone. I think it's, I think it's a, uh, it's gone to its third life now. But uh, it was one of those Western style shirts with a button, like a very pearly snaps up okay. the top. Yeah, yeah. It was like peach stripes the white stripes blue stripes and then it had this like golden Ooh, like, yes. like metallic-y gold stripes is a wrangler yes. shirt it was it was perfect i also had a shirt this is also when i was in peak thrift store in high school and it had number one on it mm-hmm. it said number one on mm-hmm. the front and number one on the back mm-hmm. and i put it in my carry-on when i was a foreign exchange student to australia or no my checked mm-hmm I got to Australia to whip out, that, this was my favorite shirt at the time, got to Australia, went to put it on, gone. What? TSA. No. I am convinced that someone was like, what's in this? <gasps> A number one shirt? Hell yeah, I'm stealing this. So somewhere <laughs> between, uh, I had it when I was in California, somewhere between California and Tamworth, Australia, stolen. The ocean gremlins reached up. I would have. Did you stop anywhere between there and there? No. Well, yeah, I did. I had, I got to Sydney and then we had to take a hopper plane from Sydney Uh, to Tamworth. The hopper. And I had been on a plane for, I think it was 16 hours. So I had. 
Yeah, I, I do feel that sometimes in some circles thrift stores get a bad rap, but I'll have to say that I think it's great. You're doing good things, buying clothes, giving money, and it's just the best thing. I'm well, just, and if you're concerned about the environment, clothing and fabric mm-hmm. production. It is. It is. can it's hurt good. the environment. It's and, environmentally friendly. Yeah, and I do feel that I'm getting that hunter-gatherer, that like primitive... Um, caveman brain like need to go and hunt and gather i get that at the thrift store because you can't say i want that and go get it you have to look you have to be patient you have to know what you're kind of seeking but also be open up to new opportunities and you look and you look and you look and then bingo got it the trap is set we went this weekend Mm -hmm. because we were with my parents Mm -hmm. and they just needed some they're living at a house in Wisconsin for like a year. Mm-hmm. And so they just needed some really affordable stuff, some little decorations. Yeah. We went there for 20 bucks. Whole thing decorated. Good to go. Whole house. It's like, who's a, it's like the Property Brothers came on through and did their twin magic. And your parents have like a new house now. Well, and it was at the Goodwill in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh! Ooh. oh! No, was it a Goodwill? Yeah, it was a Goodwill. Yeah, Goodwill. Very So prime. amazing. Prime. Primo you need to find yourself a Goodwill. Shopping. This is worth a flight to a Goodwill. You will probably save more money. Get your whole wardrobe <laughs> here. Decorate your whole home. Best Goodwill I've ever been to. There's also like the really weird random stuff. Like just a Mr. Potato Head without oh, any yeah, arms a... or anything. This I don't know what you're going to do with like shell of a potato shell head. Shell of a potato head. It's like, poor guy. No wonder he got rid of him. He couldn't keep his crap together. Oh. Could he ever? <laughs> Potato Head's just a so funny thing. Uh, speaking of Potato Head, Stephanie, you know what else is on? What? We need to catch people up on Love Island USA. Oh, yes. So there's Love Island UK. If you haven't known, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, Love Island, we've been up to date. This is a relationship podcast. We're talking about relationships. We're going to talk about Love Island. So we watch these reality TV shows really to keep everyone else informed. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It's not us. Um, We weren't able to watch yesterday because for the U.S. version, it's streaming five nights a week. And it's uh, I'd say it's I'm not ready to judge on whether it's good or bad as the as the original in the first week. I'll give it another week or two. But we got Michael and Weston and Joe and Yamin and Cashel, which I think is a hilarious name. And these boys are up in there with some some ladies. Mallory Cairo. Is that her name? Cairo. I'm, I don't recall how to say it. I don't know. She's got the big hair. Oh, the I hair love her that hair. never ends. Alexandra, Elizabeth, Kira, all kinds of great people. And they are just getting together. They're doing chats. They're playing funny games. And... Uh, yeah. The set is definitely similar to when they relaunched the British version, season one, mm-hmm. the first villa. Who who do you have hopes for? No one yet. I don't feel like I know anyone well enough because out of the five or six, whatever, how many nights it's been on, I think I've only been able to catch two. Mm-hmm. So I haven't oh, caught this, feels yet. This is the first time that we've been able to watch along with the app. I like it. Yeah. So oh. we're watching it. There's also a Love Island app. We're doing it together. They quiz you. They say... Weston, which armpit was up during this conversation? And it's I realized that I didn't pay attention. Oh, I thought I was rating which armpit was better. Oh. <laughs> I was very confused. There was a lot of talk about his armpits, but 
eye, my trash TV. Oh, I just realized. Set. Is it because he shaves his armpits? Is that what No, it is? I think it's because he always sits and talks with his hands behind his head. But it's so comfortable. With his armpits up. And aren't they on like But he's the only bean bags? one. He's the only one and his armpits are everywhere. He's the cowboy hat guy with his oh. armpits everywhere. I guess I didn't notice. Interesting. I love it. I love it. It's like I don't even have to think about what I'm watching the rest of the summer. Well, we watch these shows because we don't have to think. Really, I watch these shows so that way I can judge their lives and be like, you know, I might have done these things terribly. However, at least I'm not doing what they're doing. It makes me feel a lot better. It does make me feel better about myself. When I watch Forensic Files, I'm like, at least I'm not like that guy. (laughs) Woo! Too much. Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Stephanie, besides talk about thrift stores and... TV. What else do we do on this show? So this is learn to like each other. Uh, we're going to talk about some research torn from the headlines. Mm-hmm. Still haven't renamed this segment. We will. Maybe. Yeah, torn from the headlines. It, that's a gripping title. We could call it torn, torn. But then I'm immediately brought back to Natalie Imbruglia's. Anyway. Oh, that's an old one. Nothing. Oh, the- ah! Is that it? No, that's the other one. Nothing that I'm torn. Oh, I'm torn. a lot of faith. Oh boy, that's yeah. an old song. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get to that, but in the meantime, we really love doing this show, and we know you love listening. If you've made it this far, you love listening to us. Sidebar. Yeah. It's almost nine o'clock at night on a Sunday. Uh-huh. I'm a little on the loopies. Like. Yeah, you are. You are. I'm, I can see it in your eyes. I'm peak tired. <laughs> So if on this next segment I get sillier than what would be appropriate, <laughs> oopsies. oopsies. I do see this like glimmer in your eyes that's like you're on the edge of reality. You're ready to go. It's true. Bye. Yeah. Um. So let me hit this really quickly then. Okay. That you, everyone who's listening, needs to share our show. Oh, yes. And rate us online. That would be super helpful. We can get out to more... Um, Likey Lou's. Is that the name of our fans? Likey Lou's? I don't know. Um, We need to field test that name before we say it again. <laughs> Likey Lou? Rate it. Rate it on, uh, rate it on uh, okay. Apple. Apple Podcasts or anywhere fine podcasts are distributed. Go listen to us, share us, rate us, review us. And that would be you know, super... We're doing all this. I don't hate Likey Lou's. Likey Lou's. We're doing this for you, so Whoops. do a little thing for us, and that would I just be just dropped my pen cap, Iru. <laughs> Uh-oh. And away we go. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have experienced the Stephanie Tired drain, but this is a treat. I am on it. This is going to be great. Okay. And you are like a couple Red Bull deep too, aren't you? Yes. So this is, we are at that perfect Venn diagram. Woo! Okay, babe. Well, make it happen. I have like a Red Bull joke and I'm trying not to say it. It's so inappropriate. Okay. Okay, Breathe. (laughs) Okay. So... We decided that we wanted to talk about a topic that everyone has talked about. And it's going to be a very hilarious topic. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) So we're going to talk about abortion. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to talk about it from the obstetrician, gynecologist end. The medical side of it. Yes. I am not a doctor either, so I won't talk about that as well. Sawbones probably has something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sawbones, good podcast. Check it out. And then we're also not going to talk about the moral or ethical side of it Mm -hmm. because I feel like that is a never-ending debate where people just fight. It's a never-ending debate. 
So I'm not here to tell you what to believe because you wouldn't listen to me anyway. <laughs> if the internet's told me anything, it's that it doesn't really matter. But no matter what you think, you're wrong. Right. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not here to do that. I wanted to talk about it from the research end. And so I have a background in sociology and in statistics. So I thought what I could bring to the table was talking about statistics and data on the topic and then talking about different viewpoints around abortion and um, stats on like why people get abortion. Okay. So you're bringing us the facts. Yeah. Of the why, the social side. Yeah, so this is the data end. So this isn't to inform anything other than like, here's the current state and here are viewpoints and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because I do think the one goal I would like is I feel like this is a topic where there is a lack of nuances and I feel like people are either all in or all against Mm-hmm. And I hate that so much. Okay. I hate that people are like, if you have an ab- abortion, you're going to hell and you're the worst. And I hate it when people are on the other end. I guess I've never met someone on the other end, but I think you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Or like, I think I would like this to be a topic where people could have conversations and understand. A non-echo chamber situation. Yes. Because when you're on your social media, you tend to... Be following and engaging with people who either, you know, who yeah. agree with you. And then, of course, because there's family, you always have some outlying things that kind of come yeah. in that are just like, what? And I think on both ends of the spectrum, we don't realize that there are people who are good people on both ends. And we need people to talk to each other. Correct. That's, so that's where I'm at. So I guess I am here to say. My name is Steph and I'm here to say, let's talk about abortion in a different way. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so I think terminology is important here, and I'm I should have just picked a word to go with it, but I'm too tired to do that. So I'm gonna use the words fetus, unborn child, and baby kind of interchangeably. So if one of those is something that's like offensive, I'm not trying to be offensive and I'm not trying to be inconsiderate. Just give me grace and don't be a jerk about it, please. And we're also not here to judge anyone on their beliefs or to try to tell you what to do or like make a decision other than don't be a jerk to other people. You're bringing the nuanced factoids that usually aren't a part of that conversation. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, hit me. So in the United States, Delbert, did you know that half of all pregnancies are unplanned? Really? Have you met people? Yeah. Not great at planning. <laughs> Not great at planning. That's um, true. And so that leads to half of pregnancies are unplanned. So nearly one in four women in the United States, 23.7%, will have an abortion by age 45. Okay. So planned or unplanned, it happens. Yeah. A quarter. A, yeah, roughly a quarter of women. That's a lot of And these stats are from the Guttmacher Institute. If you ever want just like straight up stats on the current state of abortion or contraceptive, something along those lines, they have really decent numbers. Mm-hmm. Also, between 2008 and 2004, the U.S. abortion rate has declined. Hmm. 
hmm. by 25%. Yeah. I didn't know. I, you wouldn't guess that. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't guess it. Discourse has indicated that would not be true. However, it is. It sounds like everything's important. Yeah, I know. Seagulls, my dinner, everything. <laughs> um, so from, uh, the rate was in 2008, it was 19.4 in 1,000 women had an abortion. And that's gone down to 14.6 in 1,000. Okay. And those are... There's also what they say women of childbearing years, and that's generally age between ages 15 and 44 to 45. Mm-hmm. That's usually the ages that we're talking about. Okay, gotcha. Um, so they say the abortion rate has gone down for a few key reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them is laws have gotten stricter in different states. You know, mm-hmm. make laws stricter. If you're not allowed. There you go. It's not going to be reported. Yeah, I think that's the other it's thing. Less, it's less, do you think it's more, oh, people are just like, I'm going to obey the law. Or people are like, well, I guess I can't talk about it. It's probably both. Okay. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. We probably won't have those stats. From what I know about laws, they don't really keep people from doing certain things. Yeah. But the other part I think that's helped a lot is that there's been uh better access to contraceptives Mm. and more access to contraceptives for a lot of different people groups. Okay. So I think that's probably a bigger part of it because if you have better family planning mechanisms, that's usually the best way to prevent unwanted pregnancies and then prevent abortion. If you keep the sperms from getting to the eggs, it's less chances for other things. That's true. Got it. Yep. Uh, So... Rates of abortion have gone down. Oh, wait, let me go back. So, you know, then they look at which groups of people have higher abortion rates. And for the last, for forever, basically, I don't know. So poorer women, so women well below the poverty line and women of color tend to have higher rates of abortion. Hmm. And that's due mostly to systematic inequality. And issues like racism uh, definitely drive a lot of that. But then a lot of it, again, is driven by the lack of access to basic health care and contraceptives. Mm-hmm. And those groups generally, they don't have as much money, so they don't have access to health care, so they don't have access to contraceptives and some educational things around that. Okay. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. So rather than having like the planning part that could prevent a lot of these things, they don't have access. So mm-hmm. there you go. Interesting. Yeah. They should just stop having sex. Right. (laughs) I feel like that's something I should edit out, but I do think that might be not, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. I have never seen No, let's talk about <laughs> okay, it. Okay. I've never I've never seen any bit of data that says that that works or is true, so I can't support it. What? That don't have sex and you like that's is that a rule that we want to have on people? There's no data that shows that that works, so I can't back uh, it. Oh, okay. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, I can't back abstinence only education because there's no data that shows it's effective. Really? Yeah, it's not effective. Now, what I, if it was illegal for people to have sex unless let's they do that. passed an exam and got a key? Ooh, <laughs> I like where this and is we going. we all wore locked up undies. <laughs> <laughs> what will we call these locked up undies? I don't know. Um, it reminds me of a movie. Yes. Robin Hood, Men in Tight. Oh, gosh, yes. And if we all had those... 
I think we should do that. Yeah. There will be no problems because, with that at all. Because people who are married and in relationships, they don't have abortions. No, they don't, right? It's just people who make bad choices. <sighs> Is the sarcasm dripping? Maybe. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So then I found a really good article. I'm kind of weaving them together. But it's from American Psychologist, and it's called Abortion and Mental Health. It was a really good article, but it talked about one of the things I pulled from there is different viewpoints or frameworks or lenses for how you can view abortion. Oh, okay. And so there's four ways generally that people view it through there's two ways that i've heard okay and they're they seem to be they seem to be a little different let me say how you okay go go on one side abortion is the ultimate human right especially of people who can have babies yes and the other side is murder now those two things seem very different (laughs) (laughs) yes yes they do so but you're saying there's two more or four others i'm saying there's four and they're not even on that spectrum duality really no i mean i liked these because i feel like it's helpful for reframing those two into a different okay lens. so one school of thought that some people have in terms of how abortion impacts your mental health oh so this is specifically talking about abortion and mental health oh, okay because a lot of people think that if you have an abortion you might have these really severe mental health there's a, consequences there's a lot of billboards near where we live that are like yeah you've had an abortion, you're depressed. Yes. And it's just kind of those statements of yeah. like, and that's the kind of the general language is that everyone who has an abortion is very, very sad. Yeah, so there's like that thought. And then there's also other thoughts that are, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm so tired. But other thoughts that everyone's like, let's just get 10 abortions willy nilly. So mm-hmm. like, ha ha ha. And there's this like flippant attitude that some people might have. Like a drive through French fries or whatever. Yeah, some people might have this mental issue where... Like, wow, they don't see anything wrong with it. Like, so this is to kind of give you a frame around that. So perspective. Yeah. Okay. So the four frameworks, the first framework in this context is that having an abortion is a trauma to a person. Mm -hmm. And that if you have an abortion, that's a traumatic event in your life and you'll have negative consequences. Okay. So that's like those billboards you're saying. Okay. And that's one viewpoint that some people have. Okay. The second viewpoint, or the another one that folks have, is that abortion is just kind of like a stressful event mm-hmm. that might happen in your life, uh, but life has lots of stressful events. Right. And so this viewpoint says abortion is a stressful it is a stressful event is as stressful as you make it within your own personal context. That makes sense because from some of the other data you told me we've read about before it's like even in the religious situations people are as likely to have an abortion as in being non-religious and so you the, the context you bring into your abortion will affect how you feel about it yeah exactly afterwards. that's perfect yeah okay. so if you have these deep rooted perfect that's so good thank you <laughs> deep rooted embedded religious beliefs where you have been taught your entire life that this is a wrong terrible thing you're probably going to feel some kind of way about it mm-hmm. but there's other folks that don't grow up with a religious backing or other folks that even do and just feel differently about mm-hmm. it okay. so like it's important to understand those different factors mm-hmm. but you could also think of it like some people are stressed out when they don't get an assignment turned in and some people 
Some people are stressed out, yeah, when they have the wrong kind of beans at the store. Yeah, and I'm not saying that those two events are equivocal. I'm just right, saying right, right. different things stress we out different people. We all have various people. levels of what our capacity to handle different things are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which makes us human. It's true. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, the third way to look at it is that abortion occurs within a sociocultural context. Mm-hmm. And so here it's important to understand that in some cultures, like the United States, abortion tends to be really stigmatized. But in other cultures and in other countries, it's not stigmatized as much or even at all. Right. Well, which is interesting because I know like in Israel, yeah, uh, which is, a, you know, a country and the U.S. supports them a lot. Like abortion is like free and part of their health care. Yeah. So it's it is interesting to see what different countries mm-hmm. do about things, you know differently well and i remember watching a documentary on russia where in russia similar kind of thing like abortion just kind of happened if you had one you did Mm -hmm. blah 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 like it wasn't a big deal in the united states there's probably a range Mm -hmm. so i i i appreciate this framework to understand like in different cultures there's different histories and frames and ways that you can look at it that end up impacting different root beliefs that kind of frame the outcome of how people react and then the fourth framework is that abortion occurs with a lot of other factors within it, like social factors and personal issues. And then this went on to say that there are a lot of risk factors that can predict unwanted pregnancies and abortions. Really? Uh, and so kind of like that rate that I said earlier, if you happen to be born into poverty or happen to be a person of color because of these other structural limitations or other factors, those can be predictive of unwanted pregnancy and an abortion. And so I think like that can play a role in these things. So you're telling me if you come from like an upper middle class family with supportive parents who have some money you are probably less likely to have an abortion than to come from someone who does not have that support. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, so it's saying to like think of those things in context, but that's not to say that upper class folks are not having abortions because they are. Mm -hmm. Like across every age walk status of life, like Hmm. people are having abortions. They are. It's just you could be more likely because of these other factors. Right. Okay. Got it. So, and I also don't want to paint this picture of who gets an abortion. That's not true. Like, I'm not trying to do that either. But anyway, Uh, so those are four frameworks that people look can look through. I thought that was helpful. That's very very helpful. Just uh, like looking at things outside of a vacuum and kind of understanding other. And even if you do kind of fall into one of those buckets, looking to see like, oh, well, what does this bucket look like? And kind of put it's like pants. You're putting those pants on. See how they feel. Yes. You know, just to try them out. You don't have to keep them. Yeah. But it's good to just kind of see how someone else looks at it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, So then I looked into some survey research and why. And I specifically focused on the United States because. That's where we we live. live. But this is from Contraception, a a journal called Contraception. Mm -hmm. And uh, they talked about why people choose to have an abortion And there's a whole slew of reasons. So they ask people who have had an abortion, why did you have an abortion? And then they give them answers like social pressures, financial issues, relationship pressures, uh, physical or mental health problems with parents or the unborn child. Hmm. And 
So you're saying that it's not all, I had an abortion because I want to. Yeah. Hmm. It, yeah, so there's a lot of different reasons and thinking that goes into that. Okay. Uh, so in this research, in contraception, they surveyed or took survey data from 13 different countries. And the most recent data that they had here, and I could probably pull even more, but I think you'll get the gist of what we're trying to get across. Uh, in data from 2008 to 2010, of women that had an abortion, the majority had multiple reasons for the why of it. Hmm. So when they said, why did you have an abortion? It wasn't just one answer. Because it was, I want to. It was several things. Okay. Or could be several yeah. things. Uh, so of the 954 women that they surveyed who'd had an abortion, 40 had 40% said they had an abortion because they didn't feel financially prepared. 36% said it wasn't the right time. 31% said that they had concerns with their partner. Mm -hmm. 29% said they needed to focus on other children. Mm -hmm. And then 12% said because they had a risk to their own health or their fetal health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think the one I thought that got me thinking the most there, I guess there's two, the concerns with their partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And then the, the fetal health, too, that one, and just the, the personal health, that yeah. side of things, too. I also thought the one that was 29% need to focus on other children because it definitely shows, like, some people that have an abortion do have other kids at home. It's not just, mm -hmm. you know, a single Not person. just a bunch of floozies. Yeah, I mean, there's really a lot of depth that goes on here. Interesting. So the data would show that basically these things count for everybody at all levels of everything. What do you mean? Like the kinds of the, the people that are that do get abortions. It's not just like you said before, you can't just pigeonhole. This yeah. is a kind of person that does this. Exactly. It gets across the board, religion, race, money. Well, and this research was interesting because they did cross cut it by a few of those different factors. I can't remember, mm, okay. but they have tables where you can cross cut it and I can see if the data is available, but you can look at it in different ways to see if that's Send there. me the link and I'll pop it in the notes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's a fun article. <laughs> I thought it was Sounds good. Thrilling. The charts were good. The charts were good. The charts were good. Uh, so um, I'm going to dive a little bit more into kind of abortion and then the mental health aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So in 1973, most folks probably know that's when abortion became legalized in the United States after Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. And so in 1987... Uh, Ronald Reagan, Mr. President. The regs, I call him. The regs. On the reg. Really? A guy. Yep. The Ron. The Ron, Ron. He had his Surgeon General, C. Everett Koop, look into mental health issues that might occur after an abortion. Because mm -hmm. at the time, folks were really concerned that if you had an abortion, it would impact your mental health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which framework is this? That's the second, well, first one. The first one, the yeah, trauma. Yeah. Okay, the trauma, the trauma yeah. one. Yeah. So folks were worried about that. So the president asked the Surgeon General to do a report on it. You know, I was going to look at everything the Surgeon General could do, but my understanding is that Essentially, the Surgeon General can look into whether something is a public health crisis, because if it is, then there's more work that could be done at a higher level. All I know is that the Surgeon General does not 
want me to smoke cigarettes. That's true. <laughs> he is not cool with that. It's very true. Um, and then besides that, I don't know anything. I know. I feel like I have a big gap I feel here. like the Surgeon General is the one that does surgery on the president. That's and that's what, like his job. And why are they or her job. Is it like a military? No. Is it the general of the surgeon army? All I know, every time I, I feel stupid here, but all I think is the surgeon general is the smartest doctor. He's the smartest. Or she. she. They are the smartest. There's two of them. General. Or they, the singular pronoun. He, she, Z. Oh. They is legitimate. Um, <laughs> they are uh, just very good. And general, they just can do any. They can do all the surgeries. Four stars, five stars. General, they are surgery general. They got it all covered. They general. just do surgery on the president. They do surgery in Air Force One. That's where their thing is. I feel like That's James it. is going to know the answer to this real James, quick. James, help us out. Listener James, tell us. So C. Everett Coop uh, looked into whether abortions uh, could were whether there was a public health crisis specifically related to mental health on that, and Coop did a testimony testimony you know a testimony before Congress, and he said a few things, but he did point out that so this is in the late eighties. OB-GYNs or obstetricians and gynecologists basically came to a consensus a long time ago that having an abortion physically doesn't really do much more harm hmm. to your body than giving birth or something like that. Interesting. So he, they've basically agreed that abortion doesn't really have long-term physical consequences. Huh, interesting. I mean, there's, uh, there's, they've already agreed on that. Okay. Like, there's not a fight to be had there. So he didn't look into that. He okay. was looking into the mental part. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Coop testified that although psychological responses following an abortion can be, and I quote, overwhelming to a given individual, the psychological risks following abortion were, and I quote, minuscule from a public health perspective. Yeah, that's that's the key, that the public health. From like the public individual health, yeah. person to person, exactly like very widely. Yes, but public health, like vaccines, traumas like this, it's good to get that high view. Yeah, I think that's important because some people would have a really, really hard time. Definitely traumatic that first point of view. But then I also like thinking like there's some people, sociocultural context, not an issue. Mm-hmm. I this is a very poor example. Yes, I had. A very bad experience in high school Aww. at The Gap. <laughs> and I just never went back. Yeah. Really? But oh until recently. I buy so much stuff from Gap online. I know. This is just not. I think when I was, you know, we talked earlier, I was at thrift store. Like, yeah. Gap is for posers and preppies and blah, blah, whatever. Like American Eagle and yeah. Abercrombie or whatever. And uh, I had a little, I had a weird attitude about a lot of stuff in high school. Um... It was very punk rock, obviously, but for most people, the Gap is fine. You know, no one's gonna yeah. look at me and say, "Oh, well, Dell had a bad experience at the Gap, so it must be bad." I mean, I can think of some things I've done. There was once a company that wouldn't let me change my login, so I refused to get online services and always took paper bills because I knew it cost them more money. <laughs> do you remember that? That's so petty. Yes, yeah, super we, petty. We still do that. <laughs> So, you know, 
Yeah, so that's that's, that's why. Hashtag I mean, millennial. Anic- hashtag triggered. Anecdotal person to person is very valid. However, the public health aspect, is that high view kind of collective data is, I think, super important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was in the 80s. And so the article that I had read, I'm kind of interweaving articles from four different things, but... The American psychologist went on to say that the research they did was an update because Coop stuff was done in the late 80s. So, you know, things could have changed by then. So maybe there's something more going on. Why not look yeah. into it, right? Mm-hmm. And so this article goes on to say that there's a lot of different reactions mentally that people can have related to having an abortion. And for an individual, emotional sp- responses can range from relief to a high sense of calm, to happiness, all the way to sadness and grief. And then some folks can experience loss and then some can experience regret. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a gambit. And all of those make sense. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on the situation. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You look like you have more to say. I don't. I'm just thinking. Of, I'm just chewing on it in my mind. Like like those buckets we talked about earlier, like your perspective, your context. Your, yeah. So it's not just how you, the it's the situation plus your context plus your like social setting. It's a, like you said, it's a lot of stuff goes into yeah. this. Uh, so the article did note that any pregnancy loss would lead to an interruption in your hormone cycle because mm-hmm. if you have all those hormones revving up and then they're no longer there, that's going to have an impact on your body. Yeah, yeah. that part of it. Mm-hmm. But that's not a long term thing, and that's not something that just happens in an abortion. Like there's like miscarriages, and miscarriages, and then pregnancy ending. Yeah, you know, in any way, birth or you know other other instances. By the way, in the description notes, we definitely need to make sure that we like reference all this stuff. I just want to be considerate to people. Yeah, yeah. right. You can write it down. You're the you are the brains. Write it down. I'll copy and paste. Well, you're the it. good looks, baby. Well, and people can't see me, so we're really depending on you. Uh, however, that was funny, honey. Come on, that was really funny. However, uh, this is a direct quote from the article because I couldn't find a better way to summarize it. Why I do long quotes. However, the relative risk of mental health problems among adult women who have a single legal first trimester abortion of an unwanted pregnancy. This is a lot of stats lingo, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost my... I get it. People who have a this, 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 this. First trimester abortion of an unwanted pregnancy is no greater than the risk among women who deliver an unwanted pregnancy. Oh, okay. There's not a huge, there's basically not a huge health risk here. Okay. Hmm. Do you want me to read it again? No, I get it. It's a lot of information. I get it. I get it. And so that article, and to summarize, in general, the mental health of women who have a pregnancy that is unwanted is reflective of pre-existing beliefs, pre-existing mm-hmm. situations, yeah. personal issues, their individual individual ability to cope, and then, of course, their sociocultural context. Those are very important. And I feel that those are the things that might be missing in our conversation. Is I think so. I think it's like, no, well, I think this and this is what I feel is right. And that's great. If you feel that something is right and is so right and is the most rightest thing ever wonderful 
But let I will tell you, as someone who, as a hobby and as a profession, whose job it is to communicate with people, telling people that you are right and is not helpful and doesn't do anything. Right or wrong? That you are right. To say, no, no, not you. Oh, saying that, that you I, individual. Y'all, oh, yeah. y'all say y'all right. People don't listen to you. It's not yeah. going to move the conversation. No, you have to understand other people's context. Like, I have to. I can't go around saying, I think this about abortion. I'm right. You're wrong. Let's talk about it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. You will not grow. You will not change hearts or minds. You will be an off-putting person that no one wants to talk to. I will be that. Mm-hmm. So I think that for me, it's just a, as a reminder to myself and, you know, what I do communicating, because I'm not always perfect when I do this, obviously. Um context is important where are they coming from what's going on what's what's the issue don't and not demonize people or let people off the hook for whatever reason but just listen to their story and go through that with them and so i hope if people take any one thing away it's that maybe the coop thing of like in general like you can feel a certain type of way about anything but consider the frameworks we talked about that's probably helpful and then the research that we talked about is good information Google it. Look it up. It is easier to just sit in what you think you know and just say, I know everything. It's a lot easier. I know. I still want to know what the Surgeon General does. Thinking is hard work. You kept saying Coop, which reminded me of Twin Peaks Agent Cooper, who they called Coop. So now I feel that the Agent Coop. Maybe. Coop from Twin Peaks is a Surgeon General, and he practices surgery on the president on Air Force One. I feel like the timeline would have to be, first he was a Surgeon General, then he went to Twin Peaks. I've seen C. Everett Coop before, or Coop, whatever, not in person. Now I'm worried I'm saying his name wrong because I've got the sleepies. We're so good at stuff, so I think I should give us the definition. You ready? Yes. Surgeon General. Okay. Let's see how it sounds when you say it. He was also the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Surgeon General's Medallion... Man, this guy is like Surgeon General is the head of the public of a hub, public health service or an armed forces medical service. The Surgeon General of the United States is the operational head of the U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps, and thus leading spokesperson of matters of public health in the federal government of the United States. It's a four-year term, and a lot of them do come from like military backgrounds. Yeah. So now, James, don't add us. We I feel like we talked about the Surgeon General so much that we should probably throw that in there <laughs> that one was free coop was known for his work to prevent tobacco use aids and abortion and for his support of the rights of disabled children look at that he has so many awards and has done so many things wow look at that list of awards let's do uh, we'll do an episode on that i'm very interested in this guy he sounds like a really interesting person interesting people. i'm just reading his awards i'm like goodness i hope he wasn't like terrible to people oh. we'll find out soon i'm sure after this gets released um thank you so much for listening to learn to like each other i hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please tell a friend please share i know we've been getting a lot of word of mouth lately and uh, it's, it's really exciting to see and exciting to hear. Um, we would love it if you did that. Share, write, He review. was married to his wife for 70 years. Too long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> I hope to be married to you for 90. So take mm. that, Coop. Um, thanks for listening to the show. 
And um, I know this is a really cool topic, so share it with people who you know you might think would uh, appreciate it and enjoy it. So, Stephanie, anything else we need to know before we head out? I'm just reading about Coop, and I think he is an interesting okay, well, man. I'll okay, I'll do your part. We, <laughs> we hope that after listening to this podcast, you two, you can just learn to like people. <laughs> learn to like each other. Get a snack. It's better Go to that bed. Way. I'm tired. Aww. Good night.